You are listening to So You Want to Read Tolkien, a podcast that goes through each of J.R.R. Tolkien's main works, chapter by chapter, and discusses them in a most ridiculous manner. One does not simply walk into Mordor. I would cut off your head, dwarf, if it stood but a little higher from the ground. We've had one, yes. What about second breakfast? Yeah, Till at last I threw down my enemy and smote his ruin upon the mountainside. What's happening out there? Shall I describe it to you? Or would you like me to find you a box? Now, don't be hasty, Master Miriado. Is this new devil right? Hello and welcome to So You Want to Read Tolkien. Today we are reading The Two Towers, Book 3, Chapter 11, The Palantir. I don't know why I said it that way. I don't either, because now I've got that in my head and I'm going to pronounce it wrong forever. But you're not doing the long summary, so it it's good. don't matter. Uh, I'm Rude. Caitlin, and I'm... I'm <laughs> I don't matter. Well, I just meant your pronunciation I'm totally doesn't... I'm totally I am 1,000% kidding. <laughs> I'm Caitlin, and I'm still in want of a good cup of tea, because we're recording the same day, and it's all I can think about. And as soon as we're done, I'm getting some fucking milk, coming home and having a pot of tea. Man, I'm Rachel. Strong feelings. And I have the maturity of a 13 year old boy so i've been excited for this episode for as long as we've been doing this for si- i was gonna say for 68 episodes <laughs> you've been waiting for this one it's gonna be a nice we- episode guys <laughs> by which i mean after this we're gonna get it out of our systems and it's gonna be boring i don't there is one paragraph that is a little suggestive in my summary just a little that's a letdown well, it's a chance for us to redeem ourselves. Okay. Let's say. Emmy, who are you? I know what it is. I? I know what it is. That's like a deep, that's <laughs> a deep question. <laughs> who uh, are you? I'm a Libra. I'm who no, am I? totally kidding. <laughs> I'm Emmy. I'm here. I just finished petting my dogs downstairs between episodes. So my day is still going fantastic. Thanks for asking, guys. Stop Great. breaking the fourth wall and letting them behind the curtain. <laughs> It's only you who's not doing that, so... Tried real hard. <laughs> All right. Who's up? Uh, that would be me. No, I'm totally kidding. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> this week, we still have most of the same characters. Uh, we have lost our Ents, though, and one of our wizards, so, you know, not at all. <laughs> uh, but a couple different people get to take front, front and center stage in this one. So we have Pippin, who is a fool, but an honest one. Nah. We have Mary, who she just wants to sleep. And gosh, can I relate to that? It's a big mood. <laughs> Highly relatable. Uh, <laughs> we have Gandalf, who the hobbits just won't stop asking him questions. He's got some big thoughts to think. I just keep asking. Uh, we have Aragorn, who uh, I think actually just made a decision in this chapter. It's very weird. Took 11 chapters, but he did it. 11 plus, you know, two whole books. Yep. Uh, and then we have Theoden, who's the king of Rohan. 
He has like one line, and I almost forgot to include him, so <laughs> he doesn't get a funny, a funny no. thing. Um, at the time where he had his line in the book, I legitimately had to go back and be like, "Wait, he was here," <laughs> because I didn't realize he was privy <laughs> to the conversation he then participated in. And yeah, kind of sounds about right. Likewise, everyone else is around, but doesn't really have lines. They're just kind of there. Really, this is the Pip and Mary and Gandalf show with a dash of Aragorn. Uh, but we do have um. A sort of spectral character lurking above everyone. We have a black rider on wings, now named the Nazgul. Everybody loves a Nazgul. I think the opposite is true, really. Yeah, uh, I was going to say, maybe not like actually, but... (laughs) They're the Nazgulist. Wow, that was bad. I had to to start as I meant to go on. (laughs) I don't even know what to say about that, Rachel. This is the content they're here for. It's true. No. You guys so, are pretending. Our short summary <laughs> for today's episode is short. Um, Pippin makes what we would consider to be a very big mistake, but it all turns out okay. So he and Gandalf get to ride off into the sunset together. Oh shit, it's the sunrise. They run off toward they're riding off towards the oh sunrise God, right. together. That was Literally, my whole fucking joke break. about that, and then I forgot it. All's well that ends well. I mean I'm not really sure it's ending well, but you know. It's fine. We've got a whole nother book. It's ending. <laughs> Alrighty. So the long summary. The party rides away from Isengard with Mary riding with Gandalf. They ride for a couple hours before Mary asks Gandalf if they're riding far that night. He also implies that he is a bit put out over the insult Saruman gave him, which I completely missed last chapter. I don't even know when or where that was. Um. So yeah, which, I ha- you I said had you to, found it. I hunted it down, and it was like. I don't even know if I can find it again because I had to turn away. He basically just said like to Gandalf, like, oh, be gone with you and your like followers and ragtags. Like he didn't even call out the Hobbit specifically. It was just like he basically just demeaned all the people following behind Gandalf. And Mary Mm. apparently took it to heart. Apparently Mary did not like being called a ragtag. I don't know. And leave behind these cutthroats and small ragtag that dangle at your tail. Like small oh. ragtag is that supposed to be like? I guess because small short. Ragtag. Still, I mean, at least they're I feel not like a cutthroat. Used to it, but I don't know. When like know. He, he, they were lumped in with like the literal king of Gondor, so <laughs> you'd think they'd be okay. Well, that's kind of what Gandalf says. He's, you know, he assures him that being insulted by Saruman is a compliment because it means that Saruman knows of his existence and that he should be thankful he didn't get any more words from Saruman. And honestly. I don't want Saruman to know that I exist, so I don't know what Mary is upset about. <laughs> well, that he didn't get way, to smoke Mar- more. That he, yeah, that they were taken away from their relaxing time being gate wardens. when they The only time they've had an actual job in this book, and it was the most relaxed they've been. Uh, Mary once again asks if they are going far, because Gandalf didn't ask, uh, answer that one. Uh, Gandalf says that we'll ride for a couple hours that night, rest until morning, and then on to Helm's Deep. And then from there to Dunharrow. Uh, Mary mentions that he doesn't actually know much about Rohan and these places mean nothing to him. Gandalf says he'll have to learn, but not now. Gandalf the White is done with questions. (laughs) Which, like, how rude. You set yourself up as, you set yourself up as, like, you know, the keeper of knowledge for your little group. And then you're like, you know, fuck off with your ignorance. I don't know. I don't like it. Mary says he'll tackle Aragorn around the campfire, and I assume Frodo will be very jealous. (laughs) 
Mary does mention that he's confused about all the secrecy as he has as he had thought they had won the battle. Gandalf says they did, but it's only the beginning, and now all of Barad-dûr will be looking towards Isengard and Rohan, and also that he still doesn't know how Orthanc and Barad-dûr were communicating. And also, we're only halfway through the books, so we can't be done. That's true. Mary should realize that we're only on page 777 out of 1,100 and whatever. Yeah. Also, Come on, like, Mary. you're fighting a war. You literally, like, it was one battle, man. What a rookie And he move. wasn't even there for the big battle. No. He was, he was at the, like, easy he showed one. He at the end and <laughs> ate the food. I mean, that's how I'd want to do a war. Yep. Uh, later at camp, Mary and Pippin are laying down for the night. Mary basically dropping dead of exhaustion, <laughs> but Pippin curiously restless. They talk a bit about how Gandalf has changed since his rebirth or whatever, both in personality and in power. Mary tells Pippin he can ride with Gandalf the next day to ask his own questions. Pippin seems very happy about this, and he quickly brings up the glass ball that he saved from rolling away, and how Gandalf took it from him without so much as a thank you, and how he suspects Gandalf knows or suspects more about it than he is saying, and Pippin wants to know what it is. Mary then hits him with a, do not meddle in the affairs of wizards, for they are subtle and quick to anger, which is apparently something that Gildor said to Sam back in book one, and then Sam said it? I don't, I don't remember at all. I don't remember that either. It's okay. I forgot who Gildor was. The elf that they run into when they're still in the Shire. You know, the elf that they sort of walk for a while with. That keep them from getting... Yeah. The first elf they run into. Pre-Tom Bombadil. When Sam is still excited about elves. You know, ancient history. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's been three whole weeks, guys. It's true. It's a lot. It's been longer than that. They spent like six months in Rivendell. Oh, you mean in their lives? I was like, dude, it's been like a year. <laughs> Maybe a bit less, but... Pippin then points out their, that their whole lives for months now have been about meddling in the affairs of wizards, <laughs> and he would like some information as well as some danger. Mary tells Pippin to go to sleep. <laughs> I love it so much. Uh, Pippin admits that he really wants to look at that stone, and Mary just telling him to go to sleep is not helping. Mary says there's nothing they can do until morning, so sleep sounds good, and goes to sleep. Pippin does not. Uh, He lays there for a bit longer, thinking about the stone before getting up and making his way towards Gandalf. Gandalf is asleep with his eyes partially open, and this, like, throws Pippin off for a moment, but he gets over it, creeps up, and takes the stone, which seems significantly lighter than he remembered it being. He then thinks to grab a regular stone on the ground and replace that uh, in Gandalf's arms. At which point I'm like, okay, like if the stone mm-hmm. seems lighter. I want what size actually are these? Are they like you know the kind of bowling ball size in the movie? Are they smaller? Because like if you're picking up a rock that that's that size, it's gonna be heavy. Well, they're still in like the stony valley where the ants have come through and destroyed a bunch of shit. So I assume there's just a bunch of big rubble around. Mm-hmm. But that's still like that's that's a heavy rock. <laughs> Like no, it is. Yeah, especially if you're I a don't hobbit. I disagree. Like I just that that just it just caught me by surprise uh, out of there because it's like just, yeah, I just pick up a rock and stick it in there. Like you do realize rocks are very heavy. They're extremely That's what dense. Makes them rocks. It might be a bit smaller than it was in the movie, but I wouldn't think it would be too much smaller. Right, you've got to like. It doesn't. It. it doesn't give us any idea of size. Mm-hmm. Other than Except that, it can be carried. It, it can be carried, so it's not too big. Mm-hmm. And but it's big enough to be cuddled. Yes. <laughs> sure. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but 
I was going to say big enough that like everybody saw it when when Wormtongue threw it down and oh, yeah, like, could and, track and its movement. Worth, worth chucking at someone's head has to be fairly large. Yeah. So I would say bigger than a tennis ball because if somebody threw down a tennis ball and it landed in water, you'd quickly lose it. Yeah. I think at least a 16 inch softball. Oh my God. That is literally what I was going to say. A regulation Chicago <laughs> softball. And I have no idea what you're talking about. So anyway. The the whole point of this was I did just it was just a throwaway line and I was like skeptical. Right. Carry on, Pippin. <laughs> so he then has a moment of regret, uh, thinking that he is going to get in trouble for this and he should just put the stone back. But as Gandalf gripped the fake stone harder after Pippin swapped them, he thinks he won't be able to get it back now anyway, and he may as well have a look. Which I'm going to read here. At first, the globe was dark, black as jet, with moonlight gleaming on its surface. Then there came a faint glow and stir in the heart of it, and it held his eyes, so that now he could not look away. Soon all the inside seemed on fire. The ball was spinning, or the lights within were revolving. Suddenly the lights went out. He gave a gasp and struggled, and but he remained silent, clasping the ball with both hands. Closer and closer he bent, and then became rigid. His lips moved soundlessly for a while, then with a strangled cry, he fell back and lay still. The cry was piercing, the guards leapt down from the banks, and all the camp was soon astir. Pippin is just lying there, unmoving, and Gandalf comes over to him and does some wizard stuff, and then Pippin sits straight up and says, It's not for you, Saruman, and shrinks away from Gandalf. Then he seems to come back to himself a moment later and asks Gandalf to forgive him. Gandalf asks what exactly he's done, and Pippin explains. He took the ball, looked into it, saw things that frightened him, wanted to go away but couldn't. Then he, then he, or then Pippin says, then he came and questioned me, and he looked at me, and that is all I remember. Gandalf says, that won't do, and asks for more details. <laughs> no getting out of it. <laughs> so then Pippin says, I saw a dark sky and tall battlements and tiny stars. It seemed very far away and long ago, yet hard and clear. Then the stars went in and out. They were cut off by things with wings. Very big, I think, really, but in the glass they looked like bats wheeling round the tower. I thought there were, I thought there were nine of them. One began to fly straight towards me, getting bigger and bigger. It had a horrible... No, no, I can't say. I tried to get away because I thought it would fly out, but when it covered all the globe, it disappeared. Then he came. He did not speak so that I could hear words. He just looked and I understood. So you have come back. Why, why have you neglected to report for so long? I did not answer, he said. Who are you? Oh, I did not answer. He said, who are you? I still did not answer, but it hurt me horribly and he pressed me, so I said, a hobbit. Then suddenly he seemed to see me and he laughed at me. It was cruel. It was like being stabbed with knives. I struggled, but he said, wait a moment. We shall meet again soon. Tell Sauron that this dainty is not for him. I will send for it at once. Do you understand? Say just that. Then he gloated over me. I felt I was falling to pieces. No, no, I can't say any more. I don't remember anything else. And then Gandalf tells Pippin to look at him and uh, believes him after like staring into his eyes and guess, you know, rolling high on an insight check. (laughs) Um, (laughs) This was such a good paragraph. Yeah. Um, I just, I love the idea of Sauron using the word this dainty. Yeah, right? <laughs> As referring to a living being. I was it? I thought, thought he was referring he was to the talking ring. about the ring. I thought he thought yep, that, that he was yep, the hobbit with the yep. ring. 
Nope. Yep. Yep. Okay. Yep. Yep. One hundred percent. Yep. <laughs> Forget me. Nope. We're good. <laughs> um, I love that yeah. when he laughs, it's like being stabbed with knives. I'm just like you Man. love it, huh? I do. I'm like <laughs> that's such a great description because like ouch, it is the, a good description. It's like both possibly physically and also the humiliation. Ugh. Mm-hmm. Nobody likes being laughed yeah. at. Yeah. Even if even if it Piffin doesn't mean it literally, you still know exactly what he means. Yeah. Or anybody who's ever been laughed at knows exactly what he means. And then Gandalf says that he is a fool, but an honest fool. Gandalf warns that Pippin was lucky he did not question him there and then, but he did not want information only. He wanted you quickly so that he could deal with you in the Dark Tower slowly. That is probably my favorite line in this chapter. Really? Because it's so well put together. You know, he wanted you quickly so that he could deal with you slowly. Oh, well, you, oh, when you so read it like good. that, it is really good. <laughs> In my head, I didn't get the dichotomy. Then, yeah. Well, that's not dichotomy. And then what Pippin, is it, like, immediately shudders. Pippin shudders, but Gandalf is immediately like, nope, you're meddling in the affairs of wizards. So you don't get to shudder. <laughs> <laughs> Take it back, Poor And Pippin. then he literally, yeah, he literally, like, just picks Pippin up and brings him back to his bed. Mm. And Mary sort of follows and just, they just leave him there. I assume to get some sleep. I don't think Pippin goes to sleep, though. No, probably. I wouldn't. Um, yeah. Gandalf goes to talk to Aragorn. He asks Aragorn to keep the stone safe, despite its danger. Aragorn says it is dangerous, but also that if anyone has the right to master it, it is him, as it was surely placed there by Elendil. Gandalf takes the moment seriously and hands Aragorn the stone with a bow and calls him Lord. And everyone around them is like, what the fuck is happening? Uh, Gandalf does counsel him not to be hasty about the whole stone thing, though, and Aragorn is all, I am the least hasty. My life has been waiting. It's cool. Or my life has been about waiting. It's cool. Don't worry. I don't make decisions. (laughs) Uh, Gandalf warns him to make sure no one knows where the stone is, especially Pippin, as the need for it might overcome him again. Aragorn made a choice. I know. He was all like, I will be the lord of this thing because it is mine. I liked it. I kind of glossed over it, but in the book, it was a little bit more. Yeah. Yes, I am the Lord of Gondor. I will take this thing. It's like a little bit of actually taking charge of his destiny. Just a little. A little bit. Itty bitty bit. In the shape of a rock. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, They then make plans to leave. Gandalf deciding to go right away with Pippin as long around isn't going to do him any good. And this is where Theoden randomly speaks up and says that he will leave in the morning with ten riders and Aragorn may have the rest and leave whenever he wishes. And then Theoden just like disappears into the background. This is where I was like, why Why was Gandalf talking to Aragorn about this thing in front of everyone? Like, I mean, like, I guess it's fine. They all knew about it, right? They knew what happened. But it just, there was this whole moment between Gandalf and Aragorn and suddenly Theoden's there. (laughs) I'm like, wait, when was he there? Maybe he walked up when Gandalf bowed to Aragorn, thinking that he also deserved a bow. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Gandalf's don't giving know. out bows now? I want one. Yeah, I'm king too, bitches. <laughs> <laughs> That's so not his anyway. character. No, <laughs> I know. It's so, so funny about it's it. It's <laughs> not. So just as they are finalizing these plans, a large black winged thing flies overhead, and Gandalf yells at everyone. And apparently I wanted to read this out. Nazgul, he cried, the messenger of Mordor. The storm is coming. The Nazgul have crossed the river. Ride, ride. Wait not for the dawn. Let not the swift wait for the slow. Ride. That's like a lot of words. Yeah. Right? I mean, you're calling out a warning. Like, be a little more succinct. No, but also, I mean, mean, we'd been hearing about kind of where the one was and whatnot, but it's like, nope, they're actually back now. 
right? After this being gone true. for so long, um, right? They got washed down the river and then they hadn't crossed yet. And this is kind of the big signifying of Sauron making his move. Yeah. Yeah. He's sending the, the Nazgul back out mm-hmm. past um, this side of the river that runs through Osgiliath. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> the river. That's going to bug me. Yep. I don't have the map above my head being helpful. That's going to bug the <laughs> shit out of me. Anyways, but so Gandalf grabs Pippin and rides off. Mary mentions to Aragorn that everything has turned out oh, so well Anduin. for Pippin. The Anduin. Thank you. The big one. <laughs> uh, the big one. Yes. Uh, Mary mentions to Aragorn that everything has turned out so well for Pippin. He didn't want to sleep and he wanted to ride with Gandalf. And now he's not asleep and he's riding off with Gandalf. Uh, Aragorn says, who knows how things would have turned out if Mary and Pippin's roles had been reversed, and now Mary gets to ride with Aragorn, so maybe don't complain too much. <laughs> Everyone wants to ride with Aragorn. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Gandalf and Pippin are riding away on Shadowfax, and Pippin mentions about Gandalf riding bareback. Gandalf <laughs> says he doesn't do this with anyone <laughs> other than Shadowfax. <laughs> Uh, because, you know, safety. <laughs> and it's because you do not ride Shadowfax, he is willing to carry you. And it is up to him for you to not fall off. It was really hard not to be like, you do not ride Shadowfax, he rides you. <laughs> <laughs> That's the mood, though. That's where we all are. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nice. And then Gandalf. <laughs> episode 69, everyone. That's the That's the paragraph that I wrote just for this episode. Actually, it's almost like like that is in the book. So Tolkien wrote that for us, I guess. He knew. Um, he knew we'd get to this chapter on episode 69. Gandalf mentions that Shadowfax is going fast, but, you know, he could be going faster. Rude. Man, he's just like such a one-upper. It both sounds like he's bragging and also being passive-aggressive to Shadowfax. Right? I thought he was because they're he talks later. I don't even know if I included in the summary that they are going to like sleep for a bit in the morning, I mm-hmm. think. So I think he was saying, no, we'll go slow for now, but we'll go faster later. I don't know. Yeah, no, it's it's true. But he, he speeds them along at the end. Mm-hmm. They then fall quiet, uh, Gandalf and Pippin, and Gandalf starts muttering to himself until he says the following poem out loud. Tall ships and tall kings, three times three. What brought they from the foundered land over the flowing sea? Seven stars and seven stones and one white tree. And we know what they are. Oh, what are the seven stars? Um, well, no, I don't actually. <laughs> what are they? They're, uh, Elendil's sort of symbol once he got here was seven stars above right. the, well, usually above the white tree, right? But the seven stars represent the seven boats that remained loyal and sailed away from uh, Numenor and made it back to Middle-earth. Got it. And that's why seven stars are part of Gondor's symbol thingy. And we know about the tree, and now the seven stones are the planter. Yes. I mean, I just still remember when we got back, like way back forever ago, it was mentioned that, you know, just one of the many billion things that um, had been made by Fanor was like, things for seeing Mm -hmm. far. And you were like, yes. Hey, did he, you know, did you guys figure out what they were? And yes. Now they're here and we're talking about them. Yeah. And Fanor comes up in a minute. Yep. Which is fun because I don't <laughs> think he's come up in the books before, but he does just sort of come up as if everybody knows his name. Which, but, but I guess maybe Gandalf just sort of assumes. Yeah. He assumes a lot of things. So it's very, very possible. Yeah. I mean, they probably do. I bet he's a cautionary tale. Like, 
<laughs> well, <laughs> I don't. don't be a I don't think <laughs> I don't think hobbits would have any idea who Feanor is. I mean, the ones who grew up with Bilbo's stories might, but might probably not. I most guess of them. It, it, they spent so long in Rivendell that maybe they heard some stories. Mm-hmm. Although anyway. that begs the question of whether or not they believe Feanor was a real person, mm-hmm. or if they just think it's a story because. Some of those stories are kind of like that. Mm-hmm. Anyways, though, this then leads into him explaining to Pippin exactly what the planter are and that they're these stones that belong to the kings of old. Their name means that which looks far away and that they were not made by the enemy or by Saruman, that the making of them is beyond both of their skills. They come from Eldamar and were made by the Noldor, possibly Feanor himself. In days so long ago, time cannot be measured in years. Because the sun and the moon didn't exist back then, so years didn't exist, obviously. But yeah, I think it's interesting. I mean, if we take all the books, if we take the idea that Feanor did make them in the world and not that that Tolkien figured that out later, like if we look at it from within the world, that even Gandalf isn't sure if Feanor made these, he's like, possibly. That's what we think anyways. But having read this somewhere, we know that yes, yes, he did. Mm -hmm. Well, and I guess that's the question is this was where I really kind of got that vibe of the Silmarillion being the myths that the elves tell mm-hmm. is that like Gandalf is like, even he isn't, doesn't know for sure, but the elves have been like, yeah, that's the story we made. And I feel like in some ways it's almost like Gandalf is like, yeah, this is the story, but we don't actually right. know kind of calling out that that may or may not be made up. Well, he's got another line later that I'm going to read in a bit. So mm-hmm. we'll, we can discuss more then. Um, so Gandalf says Saruman was a fool to keep it secret and not let the council know he had found one of the Palantir. Pippin asks what they were used for, and Gandalf explains that they were the that there were seven stones placed all around Gondor and Arnor, and that the men of old used them to keep in contact with another and therefore keep the kingdoms running smoothly. Gandalf says that while Saruman only had one, um, he could have only used it to see small things a ways off but nothing very great. Um, But Saruman apparently kept trying to delve deeper and eventually made contact with the stone that Sauron has, which Gandalf guesses is the stone that was at Minas Ethel as uh, Sauron took over that long ago and it became Minas Morgul. And then uh, Gandalf goes on to say, easy it is now to guess how quickly the roving eye of Saruman was trapped and held and how ever since he has been persuaded from afar and daunted when persuasion would not serve. Bitter bit. Oh, the bitter bit. Okay, yes. The bitter bit. The hawk under the eagle's foot. The spider in a steel web. How long, I wonder, has he been constrained to come often to to his glass for inspection and instruction, and the orthanc stone so bent towards bared door that if any, save a will of adamant, now looks into it, it will bear his mind and sight swiftly thither. And how it draws one to itself. Have I not felt it? Even now my heart desires to test my will upon it to see if I could not wrench it from him and turn it where I would, to look across the wide seas of water and of time to Tyrion the fair and perceive the unimaginable hand and mind of Feanor at their work, while both the white tree and the golden were in flower. So, yeah, even Gandalf is being pulled in by the stone mm-hmm. and dreaming about looking at Tuna. Tuna, Tuna, which, Tuna. <laughs> what I Tyrion did. is. This was Fish like on such a, hill. a great... Yeah. <laughs> it was such a great, like, vine and big deep moment and really then was. as soon as i got to Tyrion, i was literally just like wait a ah, second tuna <laughs> fish still my favorite fan art <laughs> it was so good we should put it on our website oh yes 
yeah, but again, this is this is a really good paragraph here, and I really like what it says about how Saruman got trapped in the stone itself and what Gandalf is thinking and feeling right now, and how he does he and he does say, you know, the line, the unimaginable hand and mind of Feanor at their work. So I would say that he does believe Feanor mm-hmm. made them. Yeah. Um, but also I can't I can't laugh like just any mention of tuna, and I'm like, <laughs> yep. Tuna on tuna. Yep. <laughs> maybe, maybe that was the beginning of it when the elves decided maybe we should start renaming things so we don't have to tell people about tuna on tuna. <laughs> <laughs> it's been so long since we talked about it. I, that might be the second time I'm making that joke. I, I don't know. remember. Yep. Um, but he does also mention the two trees and how he wishes he could see them. He doesn't say again, but he was there. He, I think he would have seen them when they were alive. We really just, we don't get enough about the actual details Gandalf. of Gandalf and the wizards. Like, Yeah. There's the actual spinoff I want, I think. Like, joking mm-hmm. aside, knowing who and what the wizards are and what they did and everything, that would be, that would be very interesting. Mm-hmm. Which actually, they, I mean, no. I, they might delve into that into the TV show, because if it's in the Second Age, no, if it's in the Second Age, never mind. They came to Middle-earth in the Third Age. I'm an idiot. <laughs> There's a lot of time. That happened fast. Straight. Yeah. Anyways, Pippin says he wishes he had known all this before, as he had no idea what he was doing. Gandalf points out that Pippin knew very well that he was acting wrongly, and he shouldn't try to brush it off. But he says he didn't tell them all this before, because he had not quite put it all together. But also, like, Gandalf, if even you are tempted to put your will at it, like... What about this poor young hobbit? Really? Really? Right, but I don't think... I'm Gandalf, he says it in, like, a happy way. He's not, like, angry. Mm -hmm. But... I don't think he's saying, you know, you should have known better, you asshole. Mm-hmm. He's saying, like, I've, like I didn't tell you earlier because I hadn't quite finished thinking it all through, mm-hmm. you know? But he does also point out, and we even saw Piven had a moment where he was like, I should just put this back. What the fuck am I doing? And Gandalf says, no, you knew exactly what you were doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But so I don't think he says it angry. He's just like, mm-hmm. you know, you still did it. Anyway, at least he does tell Pippin about how, like, it does draw you in and but not mm-hmm. so Pippin can at least feel slightly less guilty. Yeah. Uh, Pippin then starts to ask another question, and Gandalf asks for mercy from all the questions. <laughs> and it names to this, it, or that comes to this great bit where Gandalf says, what more do you want to know? And Pippin says, the names of all the stars and of all living things and the whole history of Middle-earth and over heaven and of the... Un- um, and over heaven and of the sundering seas. Of course, what less? But I'm not in a hurry tonight. At the moment, I was just wondering about the black shadow. I heard you shout, messenger of Mordor. What was it and what could it do at Isengard? And I just really love that bit because I like Pippin being like, actually, I'd just like to know everything. Could you just lay it out for me, please? Yeah, it's that right little bit of snarky, but also like earnest characterization. Like, And his Pippin curiosity really, really like, burnishes the reader. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I guess you know what? There's the uh, there's the spinoff we need: the whole history of Middle Earth and over heaven and of the Sundering Seas. That's what we want, right? <laughs> yes. Every single little bit from everybody's point of view, so we can try to suss out the truth. Uh, Gandalf says that the creature that flew overhead was a black rider on wings, a Nazgul. Pippin asks if that rider had been sent for him, and is worried that it could have gotten there so fast. Uh, Gandalf says no; it would have already been on its way to check up on Saruman. But another is probably on its way now after the business with the plant here, so they had to get out of there quickly. Also, things are going to go poorly for Saruman, whether he tells the truth or not to the Nazgul. 
and they don't really know what's going to happen to him. Uh, Gandalf is also worried that Wormtongue is at Orthanc because he heard Aragorn's introduction back in Edoras and knows that Gandalf is traveling with the heir to the throne of Gondor and Gandalf does not want this information to get back to Sauron, but it looks likely that it will. And then he says, and so we fly not from danger, but into greater danger. And then Gandalf <laughs> starts listing the geography around them and Pippin realizes that they are not heading for Helm's Deep to meet up with the others. Nope, they are heading for Minas Tirith before the seas of war surround it. And then the chapter ends with Gandalf saying, Away now, Shadowfax, run, Greatheart, run as you have never run before. Now we are come to the lands where you were fouled and every stone you know. Run now, hope is speed. And then they run off towards Minas Tirith. Into the sunrise. What? Into the sunrise. Yep. Together. <laughs> Bareback. And next week we get Frodo and Sam. Are you so excited? I'm so excited. <laughs> See, you know this I is... love me some Frodo. I like, even this time around, I was like, no, it'll be, it'll be fun because, you know, Caitlin's so excited for getting back to Frodo. And then like, mm-hmm. this is exactly why I ended up putting it down the last time I was reading is because like, they're like riding off to Minas Tirith and it's all this stuff. And you're like, no, I want to know what happens here. Why do we have to go back to Frodo? It just, it leaves it such this, a cruel place. But do you think you're going to have the same problem when we get to the end of Frodo and Sam and we switch back? No. Well then. <laughs> no, I feel the same way. Especially since I know it's coming up, like them mm-hmm. getting to Minas Tirith and that's all going to be really good. Uh, but I don't know. I like both parts of the story. So yeah. I hate no, whenever I mean, we switch. I, I understand the putting them in chunks. But I also kind of mm-hmm. wish we were just like alternating back and forth. Well, we are, right? Because he wrote all three books as one book. Mm-hmm. So they're bigger chunks, but we are going back and well, forth. Okay, like that's what but, is happening. But in large chunks, not small chunks. So we're not emotionally attached to both on the same level. I mean, I think no matter what the size of the chunks, anytime, like any book I've ever read that switches back and forth like this, Whenever you switch, you're like, but no. And then you take a minute to get back into it. And you're like, okay, fine. And then you switch back. And you're like, ugh. So I, I personally prefer the big chunks and less switching. That's, that's fair. Solid argument. Did you guys have any favorite bits? I, I basically read all of mine. I was going to say, some of mine were yeah. in there too. No, yeah. thank the, you. Good job. I really liked the poem, which I believe. Yeah. I mean, most of the poems in these books you can are set to music by the Tolkien Ensemble. Mm-hmm. Which I know that they did an album with Christopher Lee. So that's interesting. That's awesome. No, I, I mean, I just liked getting that little bit again of, oh, hey, we read this history. Yeah. We know where the plantier came from. We know what Tyrion is. Mm-hmm. I do like any time that Gandalf, and I think they actually did this really well in one scene in the movies, where Gandalf talks about Eldamar and sounds wistful and almost homesick. Mm-hmm. And I think that he really... They really got that tone here when he was talking about it and how he wishes he could see it and mm-hmm. see things that happened so long ago. Yeah, Either see it again or see it for the first time. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's something we get a lot from the elves. Even the ones mm-hmm. who haven't been there have that wistfulness as just part of their nature, but we don't get it from Gandalf or mm-hmm. any of the wizards usually. And like, no, they have the same feeling that the elves do. Yeah, they might technically have more of a connection. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's really sad. <laughs> Again, ending on a downer. Yep. That's what we're here for. Downers. 
I think that's pretty good. So episode 69 has been uh, pretty tame, actually, other than that one bit. I'm sorry if you're all disappointed. But for next week, we have The Two Towers, book four, chapter one, Whoa. The Taming of Smeagol. I can go back to counting on my fingers. <laughs> I mean, it, like, it's been one chapter that you haven't been able to count on your fingers, dude. <laughs> Let me be not funny over here, okay? Okay, okay, I'm sorry. So I'm excited for some Frodo and some Sam and eventually some Faramir. It's going to be good. Faramir! I'm excited. I guess we'll see some giant spiders eventually, too. It's good stuff. And some oliphants. Oh, yeah, some oliphants. Yep. So if you have anything you would like to tell us, you can tweet us at ToReadTolkien or email us at WantToReadTolkien at gmail.com or check out our Instagram at so you want to read Tolkien. Um, if you feel like donating money towards our Tolkien endeavors, you can at patreon.com. So you want to read Tolkien. Or if you just want to give us a rating or a follow on iTunes or Spotify, we also appreciate that. And we appreciate all of you. Thank you. We'll see you next week for Frodo. <laughs> Yay. I've been Caitlin. I've been Rachel. And I've been Emmy. Bye-bye. Bye.